I'm testing.
Somebody called a doctor. Man, I won't stop ya. I'm in rare form now. Let the speakers bang and rock ya. Rock and sock ya. But I ain't talking robots. The gospel hit you hard like knockers. Yeah, it's the truth. I'ma shout it loud from the roof. Big dog, big dog, woof. Big dog, woof. Communion pull with it. And when Christ shed his blood, you can forget it. Cause what he did on the cross, yeah, he did it for the loss. You can say that you can roll with it. Yeah. Excuse me, my my manners. Yeah, I ripped the blood, I ain't talking bandanas. And when I hit my knees in South Havana, the blessings are free like Jewel Santana. I ain't coming with the Anna. No, 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 wait a minute. I don't want no smoke, Lord. Life and death is a sharp sword. And I ain't trying to play games. Give me some of that mercy, Lord. I'ma step back, yeah, I'ma step back. Put my hands together, yeah, I'm gonna clap. King Drum, make that beat slap. King Drum, make that
my streets, I know my sound Y'all know my beats, how I get down I take my steps and leaps and bounds Nigga, it's hip yeah, we started from nothing. A couple MCs beatbox in the crowd in the lunchroom. Yeah, me and Preen, both names go together like they ain't supposed to be separate, like D and D. I said it before, I rep and wreck this beats at the headquarters. Rest in peace, nigga. I'ma hold the shotty and knock you out, and I ain't gotta know karate like I for rock. It's hip hop, yeah. stronger not. This is rap basketball, stats all you got. Long as you hot in your flow, can hold up to knowing that all of your short goals is long shots. 90% of you niggas ain't hard here just to get a rep. You not gang stars. The finest flow will amaze. Rap without me is the source minus the quotable page. Is everything around you? No competition. Back to the voice of the day. Real in the field. What's realer than hip Yeah. I know my streets. I know my sound. Y'all know my beats. How I get down. I take my steps and leaps and bounds. Nigga, it's hip I'm long-winded, I will dish you from long distances You will not get the chance like Chopper, Ness and Dylan to disrespect who you don't listen to Egg in the skillet brain, nigga, this is you Smart enough, every person in the earth be hard ending up But the only target is us It's Cars and trucks, I be dreaming about shit like having a hard time swinging On a nigga, squeezing the trigger or falling If I land, I won't wake up my six-shot model, your crew, I'm leaving your mama's face is blue like a hypnotic bottle. They feel you the really you spit. This killer shit is here and it's healing you. If you ill or you sick, mentally it's hip. Is everything around you? Gotta be something for me to write this. Back to the voice of the day. What's relevant? Yeah. I know my streets, I know my sound. Y'all know my beats, how I get down. I take my steps and leaps and bounds. Nigga, it's hip. More venom, 5'9", it's like a G5 Illest lyrics is stored in them, chorus is killing Any warrior feeling that I ain't God, Lord willing Trust me, after I crush your building You will just hush, you won't restore the village We look toward with killing, real Though this album is morbidly feeling it still Fuck your feelings, more rappers dying, much more killing It's no feeling, realer than gambling your life every day And waking up to more dealings 14 killers compared to offshore millions Equals I got a lot more villains You know that you easily lose You be on MTV News for the first time Because you died over hip hop Is everything around you Come alive, y'all Back to the voice of the day It's all in the game What's realer than hip hop I know my streets, I know my sound Y'all know my beats, how I get down I take my steps and leaps and bounds Nigga, it's hip
Alright, try that again. Huh, my internet is very flimsy. Oh, crap, not that. Nah. I'm tripping, I'm tripping, I'm tripping. That was dope freestyle, dope freestyle. Dope scene right here, dope scene right here. I'm scared. I'm a little scared right now. cell phones for people yo let me turn my camera on what's cracking my people welcome to yet another episode of adq's renaissance i'm your host with the most keeping 100 from coast to coast through god i boast adq it is sunday august the 8th 2021 yo if you all are uh if you're selling please come sell in we're about to chop up some good game you know what i'm saying um we are about to talk the theater the theater lots of great stuff um if you are coming in from church um please forgive me for playing that i'm sorry i'm sorry i saw verses y'all saw verses jay kiss killed it jay kiss killed it like like Fat Joe said, the price went up. The price ain't the same no more. The price went up. Anyway, welcome to ADQ's Renaissance. I am ADQ. Hey, thank you very much for joining me. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. I appreciate that. By the way, I am thinking of starting a book club. So, as you can see behind me, I collect things. I collect play posters. I collect books. Now, I'm about to name you all a couple of books, a few books that I'm uh, currently digesting, digesting, and if you wish to join me and talk about them on an episode of ADQ's Renaissance, please hit me up at adq4christ at gmail.com, adq4christ at gmail.com, and let me know if you um reading one of these books as well, and we can talk about them on air, you know what I'm saying? I have great taste in books. The Richest Man in Africa. I mean, Babylon. I'm tripping. The Richest Man in Babylon by George S. Carlson. What did, Mal- what did this man say? If you want to hide something from a Negro, put it in the book. He did not say that with pleasure. The Autobiography of Malcolm X. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Dope book. Dope book. 
Um, this is so good that I carried it around with me and, you know, the front tore off of it. Uh, the Piano Lesson by August Wilson. This has helped me in character development. Great acting teachers and their methods. This has helped me in life. You know, the Bible. Marcus Garvey read this book, Up From Slavery by Booker T. Washington. And it, impact, and it, and it inspired him so much that uh, he came to America. Based off of reading this book. Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Dope book. Dope book. Watch that dude's interview with um with uh um Joe Rogan as well. Woo! The Miseducation of the Negro by Carter G. Woodson. From the Browder Files by Anthony Browder. A Marginalized Voice by Reginald Williams. Let's see. Uh, the, the Stanislavski System by Sonia Moore. Yes, love Stanislav- Stanislavski's methods. The Celebrity Chronicles by Miss Morgan Renee Myers. Two more, two more, two more, two more. An 18-year-old young lady wrote this one. Fancy Poetry by Miss Amani Zakaria. Shout out to her. She killed it as Julio- Juliet in Romeo and Juliet and the 48 Laws of Power. Who's ever reading these books with me? Hit me up. We can talk about them on air. Now, before I babble too much, you know, we're talking about the richest man in Babylon. That's what I could do. I could babble on. Get it? Huh? Get it? No. Okay. So, here's who we are bringing to the table today. This brother is one of the first people who I wanted to get on ADQ's Renaissance upon the inception of this particular podcast this brother i've seen him for the first time in rl uh round lavender's uh black girl majestic he was playing a mean pimp i've seen him play a pimp i've seen him play the most thugged out gay person ever i've seen him play i've seen him play a deacon in the amen corner i've seen him play daggone i've seen him play the curator of uh of a spread of of fresh warm herpes this man's also been in seven guitars he's been in seven guitars this man is living the actor life that i want to live you know what I'm saying? He's been to Killer Mockingbird. Aha, I've been to Killer Mockingbird. But he probably played Daggone Williams. He probably, uh, hey, I played Reverend Sykes, so you know I'm cool with that. At least I was in the play. Uh, he was in A Raisin in the Sun. Come on, Walter Lee. You see the Walter Lee or George Murchison. Me, I was awesome guy. He was in Flying West, which is another August Wilson play. I have yet to be in the August Wilson play. He was in the Amen Corner. Now, me and him shared the brother boxer role in the Amen Corner, which was a very beautiful thing that Miss Angie Williams Tripp and Miss Carrie Mirza, I'm not even going to uh, slaughter her last name like that, did. Because you had two different actors who were the same age playing the same role. You got two different performances. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to ADQ's Renaissance. My brother, Mr. Tony Browley. Yo, Tony, what's up, brother? Thank you so much for having me, my brother. How are you? Man, I'm parched after saying all that. I had to take a drink of water. I am doing beautiful, my brother. How about yourself? 
I can't complain, man. It's life. I feel you. Uh, is that a Power Ranger shirt you are wearing? Yes, sir. With the Green Ranger, the best Ranger on it. Yes, sir. The Green Ranger? Green Ranger. Yeah. Hey, man, if you're in a Tommy fan, you ain't a Power Ranger fan. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I mean, you know, I became a Tommy fan when he was the White Ranger. Oh, because... oh, oh my God. You want to. Look, look, as the Green Ranger, he first broke into the Megazord, beat the holy crap out of all five of them. You know what I'm saying? By himself. By himself. How in the world are you going to beat, how in the world are you five people and going to get beat up by one dude? The locks just did it to Dipset, right? Jada <laughs> just did it to Dipset, right? Jada yeah, just did it to One man. He did one do man wiped thing. him off the planet. Green Ranger. Okay, so we can say that. We can say that. Jay Kiss Green Ranger dip set. Um, let's see what else. What else? What else? What else? He did that. He went karate. He kept on going karate with Jason, and then his his powers were only temporary. Hey man, most memorable person on the show, Green Ranger. You know this is true. Well, the most memorable person to me. Was the second uh, Yellow Ranger Aisha because she was fine. <laughs> true, very true. You very feel true. me? Very you true. Very true. So, yo, man, um, I gotta ask you. I gotta ask you. I ain't seen you in a while. How you been holding up during this whole pandemic? Us, uh, hey man, it's the pandemic, so you know, for the little first little time during the quarantine. Everything was rough, but now the thing's opening back up slowly. I done had a few little parts here and there, so missing the lights for sure. Don't get it twisted. Like, I love the lights, man. I do it for the lights. So when the lights ain't on, when I ain't been in the lights for, it's, let's say, six months now, it's a bad feeling. <laughs> Last performance I had. Well, we just did the movie for Scrap Metal for Juneteenth. I don't know if you... All right, no problem. Having a little technical difficulties, I see. No problem. We'll wait for him to get back up in here. Yo, Tony. We still here, brother. Yeah, sorry about that. Hey, my uh, computer is demon-possessed. <laughs> so, I may drop signal, but I will be right back. No problem, sorry no about problem. That. 
So like, so let's try that again. Take two. Action. Pandemic. You. Pandemic. Can't complain, man. Everything's been everything. Once did everything open back up. You know what I mean? I've been able to do a few roles here and there. I did the Juneteenth thing with Scrap Metal and the city of Greensboro. That's on the city arts website, I believe, right now. Uh, I was able to do a couple things for Miss Jackie Saunders, who is a wonderful, wonderful lady. Uh, did some things down at Atlanta Fringe Festival this year. We were supposed to be down there last year, but due to coronavirus, everything got shut down. So we was able to make it up this year. Uh, other than that, getting ready for what's to come, man. All right, so yo, let's rewind. Let's rewind and go back to the beginning. Because I know, because I know people who act and I know actors. I can tell you from the beginning when these people wrote when these people wrote this when uh let's see Richard Brestoff wrote this book mm-hmm. he was talking about people like you great actors like you you know what I'm saying yeah 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 you are an actor so I want to know at what point did you say hey you know what I like acting let me get into this Real life story, man. I got into acting by accident. Well, not even by accident. I say it was by faith, faith, and being cocky. Right. Clearly, I got my start with acting through Miss Angela Williams' trip and Miss Carrie Mubarak, who was scrap metal. And the way it happened was, me and Miss Angie worked together at this place, at this school. And I seen her one day, and I was coming into work. Now, mind you, we've been working together maybe two years. Hadn't spoken so much as past the courteous, hey, how you doing? Good mornings, whatever. Uh, and then one day I was coming into work and she was standing in the hallway and she was talking to another teacher. And she was saying something like, I think I just need one more guy and my whole cast could be complete. And out the blue, something in my mind said, say something. So I was like, I can do it. And then she looked at me, and I, I ain't gonna lie, I love Miss Angie to death, one of my favorite people in the world. The way she looked at me, it irritated me, because it was like, she gave me the, you can do it. Man, you can't do it. Like, that's the face she gave me. So when she gave me that face, it instantly picked, it picked my ego. And my ego was like, yeah, we can do this. We're gonna crush this. So she said, all right, you think you can do it? Cool, come audition for me. And she gave me this uh, a monologue from the piece she was working on, and I lie to you not, ADQ, bro, I lie to you not. The moment she gave me this piece of paper, it disappeared. I, to this day, cannot tell you what happened to this monologue at all. And I'm, hour after I talked to her and I'm setting up this audition for later the next day, I'm like, oh my God, I can't find this paper nowhere. So okay. I get home, I'm like, yo, we gotta do something. We can't flake out on them. We didn't already spoke it, we didn't already said it. We gotta show up and show out. Right. So, so only thing I can remember from the whole thing, the whole conversation, because it was a blur, man. I really didn't have no intentions on doing it. It was just her look said, hey, <laughs> and I didn't like it. <laughs> I ain't like the look. look like, yeah, I got to do this. So I, in my mind, I said, all right. It was August Wilson. And I said, all right, August Wilson, August Wilson. That's the only thing I can remember. And I Googled all August Wilson. And a monologue came up. 
And it just so happened it was Troy's monologue from Fences. Uh, was it the uh, I Ain't Gotta Like You monologue? I Ain't oh. Gotta Like You. The I Ain't Gotta Like You. That monologue came up on Google. Woo! And I, I memorized that monologue that night. The next morning when I went in there, when I the next uh, afternoon when I did my audition for Miss Angie, I go in and I'm talking about, bro, I didn't do 45 seconds of the dang monologue. And she was like, all right, that's enough. Bro, when I tell you my heart sank, I was like, oh, she just saying man me. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking she's saying man me like the Apollo, bro. I'm like, no, she killed me. I couldn't be that bad. And she was like, you know what? I was gonna give you a small part, but I'm gonna go ahead and make you my lead. Mm. And I've been running there since, bro. We did that seven guitar, August Wilson seven guitars, Floyd. I played Floyd. First time ever on stage, first time ever in theater, anything like that. After we got off stage that Sunday from doing seven guitars, bro, a lot of you not. First thing I looked at them and said, well, what's next? What's next? And they said, you got the bug. You been bit. And I said, the bug? They was like, yeah, the acting bug. And then you're going to be stuck. And I've been that stuck every since, deep. That bug bitch deep. You know, um, I know that I know that look that you were talk that you talking about. Miss Angie's giving me that look many, many, many times. Um, so so tell me this. Um, so you did Flying West. You did a, you did the monologue for Fences. You've done seven guitars. One could say that you that you greatly appreciate the writings of Sir August Wilson as much as I do, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. One of the greats, man. One of the greats. Anytime you get a chance to do some August Wilson on stage, if you can pull that off, it's a spectacular feeling, man. Like his writing is so deep and in depth. Like there's so many layers to what he's saying. Some of it may be repetitive, like you'll get certain scenes where it's like the same thing being said, but if you pay attention to where it is in the story, it makes a whole lot of sense to it. Like, I love playing Floyd. I'm not gonna lie, man. I love playing Floyd and Seven Guitars. Keep in mind, that was my first show, so I have a lot of regrets about that because it's so much things that if I could do Floyd now, I would do it so much different because I didn't know as much as I need, I knew now. Like I didn't know, understand character development as much as I knew, as I do right now. Not saying I mastered character development, but I understand it way more now than I did when I first stepped into that theater. You're willing to learn and you're willing to like, um, see what you could do better, which is the mark of a true artiste. Um, you know what? When I when I check when I let when I read uh, Floyd Barton's uh, first monologue with Vera, trying to uh, point out trying to point out um, his experience in Chicago in the club and stuff, trying to get her to uh, fall to fall back in love with him. I love seeing you. I never forget that monologue. I still remember that yeah. thing to this day, man. That's my all-time favorite. That's the first monologue I ever remembered, and I still remember it to this day. You have to be smoother than smooth in order to portray that monologue. And you know, um, I think about you and uh, but that's another story. Seeing you do that, and I'm like, you know what? Take Slim Shady way back into the daggone uh, way back into the fifties, the sixties, uh, no, the forties. Uh, Seven Guitars took place in the forties. Take her back then, put a suit on him. 
uh, turn one of them girls into Vera. And yeah, you got seven guitars. Hey, it's a wonderful story, man. Like you gotta think about like how deep that story is. That that man literally left and did all of that and wanted to come back home. Like it's a it's a true love story though. If you really think about it, like he did, he was he did some horrible things at certain points. Like he did some very bad things, but it was all in the interest of bettering himself and finding happiness and love. It's, uh, it's a very beautiful theme of second chances. True. There you go. So, yo, I remember um, I remember once we were doing a reading of uh, Randy Randy Morris's play, uh, The Hanging of Rainy Bethia. Uh, you were you were Rainy Bethia, right? Mm-hmm. And I was playing your lawyer, right? Yes, sir. You and I were the two, were the only two melanated people up in that joint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you remember this, but um, you and Miss Angie helped me learn to conduct myself on code in theatrical spaces, especially European dominated theatrical spaces. Here's how. You ready for it? I don't know if you remember this. But it was being discussed. It was being discussed whether or not to use the N-word um in in this piece, right? Yes, sir. Is uh, it coming back to you? I remember. Me being in full-fledged coon form. I ain't gonna say that. I ain't gonna say that. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. Um me, I was like, oh yeah, that'll add to the story. You cut me off and was like, no. It does not be, need to be used. You were right. I was wrong. But I wasn't as conscious as I like to think that I am now. Then, um, have you have you always have you always operated on code like that in theatrical spaces? I came into this and I realized that I have I set my boundaries early, so right. I don't. I don't have to explain myself too often because anybody I work with, I try to establish my boundaries. There are certain things in theater that I am willing to do and there's certain things I'm not willing to do. If you need me to jump off the stage, hey, I'm all for it. But if we just gonna sit here and just randomly throw out the N-word, we're not doing that. At a certain point, it's, it's a context. Like keep in mind, I was in To Kill a Mockingbird. I played Tom Robinson. Woo! So, <laughs> like, I've, I'm built for this this to be dealt a certain way, but if it's unnecessary, it's unnecessary. And I just felt like at that point in time, with what was being what was being shown in the play, to add any more n words just wasn't necessary because we had already had enough, and we're about to witness the hanging, a very ugly, ugly hanging public execution of a human being. And to add any more negativity to that was unnecessary. That's all. And I'm gonna tell you, uh, you know the you know the scripture, iron sharpens iron, you know the phrase steel sharpens steel, right? As I was making my way into that space, I needed you to point that out to point that out for me. I really did. And I appreciate you uh pointing that out to me. That was tough love, man. That was tough love. That's what we gotta do. Sometimes King's got King's got King's got uh 
Kings gotta let kings know when their when their crowns falling off. Hey, listen, I tell anybody I know that sometimes my delivery is not the best. <laughs> it may come off a little harsh or brash, but I only do it out of love and understanding. Like I want people to understand, like, hey, look at it from another perspective. It ain't always what it seems. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I understand that you could we could fill the whole show up with the N-word if we wanted to. Any show. We can fill a whole show up with the N-word. You can change pretty much any word you want to to an N-word or any negative word. But is it necessary? I can feel I can write a show right now where I could use nothing but curse words. But do those curse words get my point across better than the average everyday word? Mm-hmm. Sometimes a curse word is necessary. Sometimes you need the mother. But then sometimes it's easier to just get it across and say, listen, this is your problem, you. You see what I'm saying? I feel you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes overusage of it can be gratuitous. Now, let's compare experiences in To Kill a Mockingbird. I was in To Kill a Mockingbird in 2010, Little Theater of Winston-Salem, when they were Twin City Stage. I played Reverend Sykes. It was my first ever dramatic, non-musical role. I was grayed up. I had less hair, obviously, at the time. Uh, I was scared to death, but I went out there and did the best I could. I went for the Tom Robinson role. The artist director then told me that I'd be great for it because I was the same age as Tom Robinson. But I I was at a church encounter the weekend before, and I got so deep into the spirit that I lost my voice. Mm. But still, it was a beautiful experience. The music had me crying at the end. That was, but that was my that was my experience. Uh, one person came backstage just to tell me that I did a great job. I was, uh, yo, you know you know how in the movie where Reverend Sykes says, "Miss Jean Louise, stand up." Your father's passing. Mm-hmm. That was me, man. That was me. I did that. <laughs> hey, man. So. What was it? What was your what was your experience like being Tom Robinson? Tom Robinson was a difficult character to play. Like that was right at my once again, that's still in my early stage of my career. So I really wasn't I really wasn't there yet to understand. I learned a lot doing Tom Robinson. I under I learned why people laugh in certain parts of a play that normally me and you might not think is a laughable thing to do. I learned uh, character development right there during Tom Robinson because you had to sit there and really go through it with that man, like to really understand what he was about to do, what he was about to face, how he had to get on that stand and defend himself against a lie. Like you had to learn a lot. Like Tom Robinson was was hard for me for for the first month and a half of rehearsal. That first month, right up until about Tech Week, I only felt comfortable with Tom Robinson right up about Tech Week. But everything else up to that, I really struggled with him because it was like, ah, can I really? I wanted to give him, I wanted to give him pride and respect, but at the same time show his vulnerability because of his disability, because of the situation he's been put in. Um, 
because of his life that he how he grew up i wanted to give him a i wanted to make sure that you understood and felt everything that he was going through and one of the ways i understood that i did that to some degree is i heard people laugh when i was doing my testimony and that i that makes you seem like man what but the first time it happened when we was on stage and it happened, I got off stage, I was really bothered by it. Cause I'm like, hey, I'm really giving out real emotions here. And like, this is a serious situation. I'm just being, a, I'm about to die. <laughs> like I'm about to die and people are laughing. And one of the people backstage pulled me aside. Shout out to gallery players too. I learned a lot out there working with them in Burlington. Gallery That's players, gallery. they do uh, phenomenal work. Um, But one of them pulled me to the side and was like, listen, Sometimes people laugh because they're uncomfortable. They don't know how to handle themselves in this situation. They don't come to the theater to cry, but they feel you've made them feel some type of way. So the chuckle is just them trying to express and get that out of them. And I had to learn that because it's a lot of situations that happens. Like you'll be doing some real things, saying some real things, and you'll hear a laughter. And you're like, how is that possible? What did I say funny? Like, it, it bothered me for a second, man. I ain't gonna lie. Tom Robinson was hard. You know, uh, it would bother, uh, I'll be, I'll be honest, it would, it would bother me too. I would, I would have to fight to stay in character, be like, okay, uh, we can't let that bother us. But then again, how much of the audience could actually understand where Tom Robinson was coming from? Uh, that's I mean, true. Yeah, like, like me and you, we see Tom Robinson's, we see Tom Robinson's story. We know about the real Tom Robinson's out there, and we get pissed. Um, somebody who, somebody who isn't us, someone who isn't us, will look at Tom Robinson's story. Someone will be like, ha, 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 another one going down. No one will be like, oh, well, how bad? Pass cookies. And I, <laughs> the anger, the mad, the being mad about it part. That's like, man, like to really go through that to really think that I really enjoy To Kill a Mockingbird is an amazing show and it has so it's you can learn so much from it man you can learn so much from it from people's from the evils of the evilness of people and the love of people it's a lot in that show yeah it is it is it's a very um it's a very layered it's a very layered piece uh by uh Harper, Harper, dang, I forget the name of the lady. Harper, Lee. Harper who? Lee. Yeah, Harper Lee, Harper Lee. Yeah, the scout character was actually her as a little girl. Hey, the scout, hey, the, that one in gallery players in Burlington, there's a young lady who plays scout, I prompt, she's, it's phenomenal. She's going to be an amazing talent when she is. She's an amazing talent now. She, she's amazing. Now tell me now tell me this. Um do you have like a certain do you have like a certain uh uh ritual a routine rather routine that you do as you are uh getting into character? As far as on the show as a show day or just character development wise? Character development and show day because I'm like so far, you have played old Mac, old Mackin, second chance wanting Floyd Barton. You have daggone played. I'm about to, I'm about to lose my life. Rainy Bethia and Ty Robinson. 
And MLK. I played Martin Luther King Jr. You played Martin Luther King? Yes, sir, in the meeting. Thanks to Miss Robin Rich McGee. You gave a whole bunch of people herpes. Shout out to my dog Slim. Slim was probably one of the funnest characters I ever got to play, man. Slim was incredible. Slim was incredible. Slim slept with everybody. Slim did whatever he wanted to do. Slim was amazing. Talking about, yeah, I should have wore a raincoat, but that takes away the fun of it. Hey, man, Slim was amazing, bro. Slim lived that life. (laughs) So, like I said, what is your, so what's your routine of character development and then right before you get get on the stage? Character development-wise, it's usually after I read that script maybe two or three times to really figure out what my lines are, where I want to... I usually sit down, and first thing is to figure out the backstory of the character. Like Everybody should have a backstory. Most of my characters, even if they don't have a middle name, I give them a middle name. Like We got backstories. When I did Flying West, I created my man Will's whole life story, even down to his parents, what happened to him, where they got shipped off to, why he ended up on the, with the Indians down in Florida, all of that good stuff, man. Cause it helps, it helps give you that that fallback to why am I feeling like this when I'm doing this? Because I want it to seem like it has to seem real. Like I want it to be real to people. So when I'm doing these characters, I'm trying to feel as close to that as possible. Like Will was a, a slave who had to run away and had to live on his own since he was a child. That's a hard life. That's a rough upbringing, especially back in his times. So you need to sit down and understand, like, he was so, he was separated from his family. He'd been out on his own for a long time. His hands are rough because he'd been working his whole life. His mindset is based off a of rugged mentality. So all of that goes into doing what I do. Like, And then the second part to that is that blocking, because blocking is critical to me. Like, I need my blocking as soon as I can get it because it's so critical to how I want to deliver my lines. Like, in the Amen Corner, that blocking was critical because that I made a I made a glass of Kool-Aid. One of the most hated things you could see. Like, people hated me with that glass of Kool-Aid. They hated to see me with that glass of Kool-Aid. Because I hated to see you with that glass of Kool-Aid. Listen, even the people in the church, man, they was like, hey, if I wasn't saved, boy, I'd tell you something. It's been a couple of times I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. I'm, I'm just acting, though. Thank you. I'm just acting. I don't really act like this in real life. Um, You're doing your job, though. I'm doing my job. That's it. But when it's time to go on stage, I have the same ritual. And I have to do this every time. I don't know why, but I have the same ritual for, like, 30 minutes before the show, I have the headphones in. You done seen it. I have the headphones in, my head down. I'm vibing out to the music. Depending on what type of show it is, depending on the, the heat level I need, man. Sometimes, like, hey, auditions, I need to go in there and listen to some Jada because you see how he just it made you feel. Like, he made you feel, I'm outside. <laughs> he make you feel outside. Like, so, but when it's time to go do something simple, well, not simple, but when it's time to go do something like mellow, like it's based off my music. My music gets me in my zone. And then I'm always a ball of nerves before the lights come on. So right before I touch stage, guaranteed every time, no matter what, I always have this fit of laughter. Like I always laugh and I can't control it. Like I don't know why. I just get, it's, I guess it's my nerves and my jitters coming out. 
I get up, I do my, after I listen to my music, I do my little laugh, get my laugh out. The lights come on and the world changes, man. There's mm. nothing to do. And this, this show we about to put on. The lights come on, everything changes. See, no matter how bad I felt today, that day, no matter what goes on in life, everything changes when those lights flick on. This is why I named this episode a Tony for Tony, cause you got Tony, your future brother. I tell everybody that they always say I'm being arrogant, but I tell them I'm gonna win a uh, Tony and an Oscar in the same year. I gotta win a Tony because it's named after me. I know that sounds crazy, but it's named after me. I gotta have a Tony. That was so dope that I knocked my that I knocked my mic down. I gotta have a Tony. I'm gonna win a Tony and an Oscar in the same year. I'm I'm serious about that. I'm very serious about that. So let me tell you. So let me tell you how dope that is. First of all, it was that confidence in yourself that led you to even partaking upon this path. Second of all, second of all, uh, I'm not a fan of Tyler the Creator at all. Nothing that Tyler the Creator puts out remotely interests me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, me, man, we both 35. We both 30. Well, I'm 30. Well, I'll be 36 next month. You just you turn 36. Happy belated birthday, by the way. Thank you. Um, not many people in our age group is is particularly checking for Tyler the Creator, but here's why I bring him up. Um, I heard him on a Hot 97 interview recently. He was saying, but he was saying years before he was going to win the Grammy that he's going to win the Grammy. He put that out there. You know what I'm saying? Like I believe in the law of attraction. If you put something out there, it's going to manifest sooner or later, one way or another. It will. It's gonna happen. I'm gonna get it. I work. <laughs> Listen, I've I've made it up in my mind. That this is truly what I was built for. Like everything lined up for me when it came to acting. Everything from the people that I act I was with in the cast, the seven guitars, from my directors to the stage manager. Everything lined up for me. Everything. One thing led to another. From seven guitars, I got to do the fences at Bennett College. From that, I got everything led into something else. Man, everything was. It's my, I don't want to sound arrogant when I say this, but it's my destiny to do this. Like, it's what I was put here for, is to do this. Like, I take this so serious. Like, keep in mind, I'm never happy with no performance I've ever done. I look at everything I've ever done and be like, oh, why did you do that? Oh, that's horrible. Oh, we should do it like this. Like, I'm only made. I only want to do this. Like that's it, brother. Do you know how I many daggone? Do you know how I many daggone actors don't like looking at themselves? I hate it, man. I ain't, I hate it, bro. I hate it. I hate. Sometimes I be listening. I'm watching things, and I'm like, oh my good, look at your hand. Why <laughs> it's the simple things like my. I don't like my hand placement sometimes. I don't like the way I say certain things. So, but as Miss Carrie told me. A few days ago, it's part of the learning process. It's how I get better. It's because I'm so nitpicky. It's I want to improve on every part of what I'm doing. I'm gonna tell you, Miss Carrie and Miss Angie, they have been that. They have been that 
theater mo- that theater motherhood that I've needed. Yes. Here's how. I'm gonna tell you how. So uh, recently, I had recently I went to an audition, uh, United Theater League audition over at um, over at Triad Stage, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, I missed that. Oh man, you got so many great roles ahead of you. You don't you don't really need it by now. Um, I need it though. I went there. And I saw Miss Angie. I saw Miss Angie was in the audience, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I originally planned to do a, a stool pigeon monologue from, um, you know, uh, King Henry the Second. But when I saw her, I thought, you know, you know what? Let uh, let's put no no stool pigeon monologue today. Uh, I want I want to make Miss Angie proud. I want to impress her. So, I went with my Oscar guy monologue from A Raisin in the Sun. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I got and to play George Murchison and Raisin. George Murchison? Yes, sir. Had my white ones, had my white shoes on and everything, bro. The white shoes, man. They had the white shoes with the with the cufflinks and the, the properness. Who did you... Uh, I'm happy with that little dusty furniture they had me sitting on. <laughs> Yo, who would you who would you uh, do raising the sun with? Uh, gallery players with Miss Robin McGee as the director. Nice, nice. Me, I did it with uh, Sunglass Playhouse with the late great Alvin Tindall. Mm. It should have been a black person directing it, but yo, I ain't. Uh, that was 2012. Anyway, um. The late, but still, he was the late great. He he is the late great Alvin Tindall directing it. He threatened to castrate me every night when I would let my when I would lose the deepness of the African uh, of the African voice that I was trying to uh, you know trying to do. He he was saying if you're gonna go light, then I, I can make it where you go light where you can say light. I was like, bro, really? I need my boys. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, he trying to get something out of you that you he wants certain things, man. That's what I Thank hey, you. it's the beauty of it. It's certain directors want certain things, like certain direct and that's the thing you learn in this in this field is certain directors want you to be a certain way and certain people let you fill it out and do it your own way. And it's just about making a compromise and finding the right parts for you. Cause certain directors like they have it where they feel like this is the way the character is, this is don't do nothing else. Boom. And then there's certain directors that say, add a little flair to it. Add, do your own thing with it. I've had the pleasure of working with a lot of great directors from different styles. I've had the ones who's going, as they like to call Miss Angie, Miss Heavy Handed, she's going, bah! drop the <laughs> mic on you don't act right. Uh, had a bunch man the passive aggressive direct like it's a bunch like it's fun man acting is fun theater is fun because you get to be around so many different types of people and putting on some of these stories man and entertaining people it's a great feeling it is it is now uh now i gotta ask you about riff rap because you know i saw you be i saw in that one minute you were being two people you were being like a straight up thug who was robbing, who was robbing Hayden and all right. Oh, wait, 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 wait. 
That's not me and Riff Raff. I produced Riff Raff. I was the producer on that between me and Scrap Metal with Miss Carrie. That's my boy Dwight. That is a hey, that is a phenomenal rapper. That is a phenomenal actor. Check out my man Dwight. Uh, I wish I could have his link, his Facebook in my in this little description right here. But check out my man Dwight. He's a dope rapper based out of NC. Uh, that was Hayden Crawford in that thing. Another phenomenal brother. You ever get a chance to see some Hayden's in Hayden Crawford? That brother is phenomenal. He, every chance I get to work with Hayden, I try to take that opportunity because he pushes me to another level. Every opportunity he gets, he pushes me to another level. Um, Ronald Lavender, as you see, RL, that was my dog. Like first time I ever got to really see him act, he was always a director, and but I had to bring him out his little comfort area. I, as soon as I was booked to do Riff Raff as I was on the producing side, Ron was the first person I thought about to play that character. Like he was the only person I thought about to play the character. He was the only person I wanted for that character. Now, originally, I see a look on your face. Originally, it was supposed to be me and my brother Austin Fry. Austin Fry is another phenomenal actor out here in North Carolina. Hey brother is, once again, that's one of them ones. He one of them ones that when you get on the stage with him, you have to work, you have to challenge yourself, you have to push yourself because that man will swallow you up on that stage. Um, It was originally supposed to be, be me and Austin and Ron. And then what happened was, as you may recall, we went out for the audition at the Barn Dinner Theater over here. And for, what was that, Fences? Yeah, Fences. It was for Fences. And me and Austin got booked in Fences. So Fences was at the same time that we wanted to produce, we already had our date secured for Riff Raff. And um, Miss Angie and Scrap Metal felt like that was the opportunity, that we should really take that opportunity to go out there to the barn and show our talents. So we went out there to do that thing. Unfortunately, whatever happened with that, I'm still not for sure, that didn't go through. So we had to end up casting, uh, recasting the show again. That's when we was able to pick up Hayden and Dwight I'm so grateful to those gentlemen for being able to do what they did because they came in on a short notice and killed it. When I say they killed it, bro, I was I was extremely proud to have witnessed that thing and to say I produced that thing. Like, them boys killed that show. Shout out to them boys once again. My boy uh, Hayden and Dwight and Ron Lavender. Why in the world did I think that was you? Cause I was in it. I was like all the, for the first couple of promotionals, a bunch of that had, it was going to be me and Austin. It was me and Austin. And we had to switch up a bunch of stuff due to that, uh, that mix up at the bone. Hmm. Now, yo, tell me this, tell me this. I do remember hearing you and Miss Angie talking about, uh, you being in Miracle on 34th street. <laughs> Yes, sir. I was in Miracle on 34th Street and once again at Gallery in Burlington. Um, <laughs> that was my first foray into musicals. Um, and they, they, they talked me into it. And the only reason, the only reason they got me to do it is because of the director who was doing it, Barb, Barb and John Young. I love those guys. I love those people to death. Like, I love him to death. They helped. They was there with me on To Kill a Mockingbird. Love him to death. John Young, Barb Young, terrific team, terrific actors, terrific directors. 
um, they asked me if I would come out and do Miracle on 34th Street. And I begrudgingly obliged and went out there, but had a phenomenal time, except for the one part. The one part Miss Angie keeps bringing up is me in my little green tights as the elf for the front of the Christmas parade. Yes, sir. Hey, you gonna make a great elf, man. Hey, man, I was elf court jester type character, and then uh, I was one of the soldiers. Had a fun time, though, man. It was great to venture over in the musical side. Ain't gonna be a permanent thing, but every once in a while, it's cool to do. Yeah, I was about to ask you, do you want to do any more music? Do you want to do any more musicals? Uh, <laughs> one of years about is all I want to do, and that's about backgrounds and uh, ensemble pieces. I don't want to do no leads. I I did a, I did a solo. I've done two solo songs. I've done three solo songs in musicals before. I think if I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> I'm not doing it, bro. It's not gonna happen. It ain't gonna Which happen. Been, which then again, I have a heavy, I have a heavy musical background. I you don't have a musical background at all, at all. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, like oh, there is no musical background here. They no. I'm an actor. I I stick to that. Gotcha, man. Gotcha, gotcha. So yo, um, stepping away from stepping away from acting for a second. Uh, you had mentioned how uh, when you listen to music and you need to get some aggression going, you listen to Jada Kids, right? Yeah, man. And we were talking earlier about how, you know, <laughs> Jada Kids was the Green Ranger and Dipset was the Power Rangers, right? That's it, bro. That's it. I've been waiting all I've been waiting all week to talk with someone about about this on my platform. Um, that versus battle. Lord Jesus, man. Hey man, I, I, look, look, look! You can go. You can look at my Facebook post. I've been saying all week between locks and Dipset, locks, locks, locks. Hey, locks. Who thought Dipset had a chance in this was lost their mind? <laughs> what are you? What are we talking? As Jada said, what are we talking about? Did anybody? That, yo, I didn't think that Dipset would do as bad as they did though. There's nothing you can do with them, dude. man. That was a lyricist up there. The locks are lyricists, bro. They are lyricists. There's nothing you can do with that. Like, yeah, I understand he was, he was gonna bring out all the hits. Okay, that's cool. Balling is cool. But when it comes to that's lyricism, bro. Like those are lyrics that we all remember to this day. When he hit them freestyles, it wasn't it wasn't like he was just singing them freestyles by himself. The crowd knew those freestyles with Jada. Well, you know, the crazy thing—the crazy thing is, most of the joints that they were doing were mixtape joints. They weren't like mainstream—they weren't—they weren't none of their mainstream popular joints. I mean, they did a couple of them. They did the uh, the joint with Mary J. Blige, uh, not, not Mariah Carey. Go ahead, they did the Mary J. Blige joint too. Um, um, what else? <laughs> they did all about the Benj Benjamins that said, "I gave Puppy the words." I gave Puffy the words. 
Hey man, Jada was hey Jada was in his battle rap mode, and I'm a huge battle rap fan. Like I love battle rap, so Jada put me in that battle rap mode. He had me feeling like I was a kid, bro. I've had Fat Joe moments. I was in there in my house jumping up and down, like yo, talk, talking Jada, talk Jada. I was going crazy, bro. Me Epic too. night, Epic night. Me too, but I'm saying yo, Dip said they ain't no scrubs though, like. Okay, out all of them, I think that the best, you know, MC MC will be Santana, right? True. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Cause we guys, you gotta think about what you're talking about. Like, are we talking about? Cause early Cameron is a monster. Like early Cam, early Cam was Children of the Corn Cam with Big L and all that. Cam was a fool. Like Cam was a monster. So I'm not familiar with that cam, except for except for maybe a horse or carriage. See, like that's like early cam was a problem. Like when he got to doing that Rudy Tootie, fresh and fruity, <laughs> bubblegum rap. Like when he's when he started doing that, all right. When he's when he started getting into his purple phase, then okay. Then yeah, Joel's took over. But early cam, like nah, early cam is the man. Then why in the world that cam didn't show up on Tuesday? It wasn't nothing Cam could have done with that, man. Kiss was on another level, bro. Kiss was on Cam's, another level. Cam showed up, you know, wearing a, wearing a velour sweatsuit in Dagon in, in 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 New York in August. I don't know if you've been in New York in August, but it's freaking hot, man. You seen do the right thing. Let me let me ask you a question. You ever watched Battle Rap? So what? You ever watched Battle Rap? You are Yeah. Okay, so every once in a while, like you can see it, like certain cats come to battle rap, like they come to battle, like they're coming to take your head off, and then other cats come in there because, all right, like I got a name, I'm cool, like, I can just get by off, off of. They try to come in there and be goods, when, when the locks came in there to be Rum Nitty, if you know who those people are, like Rum Rum Nitty is a puncher. He coming there to punch your head off. That's what he do. Goods coming there, he swagged out. He got a style. He got he cool, calm, and collected. Dipset tried to be cool, calm, and collected, but the lock was kicking him so bad. <laughs> he was kicking him so bad. Cam had to get out that beach chair way too early. Like he brought the beach chair up. They did two songs. Cam was out the beach chair. Ballin' was like Dipset's biggest hit ever, ever, ever. And still, no one will. Yeah, ever. Mm. Oh boy, was it hit? Now, listen, I'm talking about in pop in terms of popularity. Okay, diplomatic community. The whole CD was a hit, though. If you really think about it, the first diplomatic community. They had a whole bunch of hits on that. I'm talking about. I'm talking about balling was a mainstream hit. Yeah. Okay. And I think it was the biggest mainstream hit. I mean, yeah, they had old boy. They had uh, personally. I think my favorite Dipset song is Dipset Anthem. Facts. That's when to go hard. That I I saw I, I saw uh, I heard that Santana sound joint. I was like, what the heck, man? Tell Alvin and Chipmunks to shut up. Santana, you hey, bro. Joel's used to be the one though. Right before Jim came out, Joel's was the one, bro. Joel's was the one. 
Yeah, like when Mike Chad come out with the mixtape with Wayne and all of that back in the day, bro. He should have dropped. He should have did Mike Check. Mike Check was tight. Was dope. Oh, he would. Mike Check would have been one of them ones. Mike Check would have been one of them ones. But the locks had too many, bro. There's nothing they could do. The locks had too many. Keep in mind, like this is like Jadakiss second versus. Like he's still bringing he's out still tracks, like, bro. He's still bringing out tracks. Like at a certain point, like there's you gotta realize, leave that man alone. Leave him in the house. <laughs> Let that man sit down. I'm like, I'm like, yo, I feel sorry for anybody who's just now getting on Jake's train. I'm like, man, you got a lot of homework to do. I mean, me, I got on late. I got on late. I bet I'm pretty sure that you got on, you know, with the F you. You know what I'm saying? When they were when they started out uh underground and then went to bad boy. Um, me personally, I got on the Jada Kiss train uh with We Gonna Make It. Yeah, okay. It was just it was just something about that. It was just something about that beat, man. That 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 instrument, that orchestra that was in the beat. You know what I'm saying? He can't deny it. At, but at one point, I, I'm gonna be honest. I actually had a problem with Jada Kiss because. I think he once said a line where he said, rock the boat, rock the boat. That's one less beat in the rock and wear coat. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Why you have a problem with that, though? He was talking about Aaliyah. No, 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 no. Nah, I rock think you... Boat, rock the boat, I think you misinterpreting the bar. Like, I think you misinterpreting the bar and the time frame. Okay, it's allow... Like, okay, allow me... Allow me to... Uh, Allow me to forgive Jay the Kiss. Please tell me what the bar meant. Like, hold on, we gonna have to like you put me on the spot. We gonna have to. I'm gonna bring that one back. You, I'm gonna bring that one back. Let me think about that one. I gotta think about the whole song first. All right, cause you put me on the spot. Like, hold on, cause I don't, I don't want to say that was about Aaliyah. That don't make sense. He had too many. He had too many shoutouts to her. Okay. But Kiss is usually strategic with his distance, bro. Like. Bro, I'm a battle rap fan. Like, I'm a battle fan. Like, I get into hip-hop, especially when they start throwing diss shots. Right now, I'm into that Royster 5-9, Lupe Fiasco, um, Mickey Fax, all of them. They beefing right now. The Lux, the, uh, the Loaded Luxes and the Murder Mooks, they having a whole little little foray over there. What they doing when they throwing out diss tracks. So, 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 so Lupe is on my top five. And right now, hold on. Of what, bro? My top five favorite rappers. He's number two. Now, this is a conversation. He's number two? He's number two. After Lecrae. Lecrae. The you reason why... top five artists right now. All time. Huh? Okay, here's my top five. And right now... The number five spot is up for grabs. Uh, number one, Lecrae. Reason why is because Lecrae totally speaks my language. I feel like he's talking to me in his lyrics. Number two, Lupe Fiasco. Because he has been consistently incredible. From Kick Push to Wild Files to the House EP to the diss they just did against Royce the 5'9". You think he better than Royce? Yes. Oh my goodness. Did you just say Lupe's better than Royce? I Royce the 5'9? The man from Detroit? 
<laughs> Wait a minute. Let's make sure we talking about the same person. Royce from Detroit, the man, Eminem man. Yes, the man There's who. No way you mean Lupe is better than Royce, bro. Lyrically. Lyrically, as a Lupe fan for almost twenty years, I stand by my I stand by my uh statement. I say that because I'm a huge Royce fan, bro. I'm a slaughterhouse fan. I like that type of music. So number three will be Nazir Ben Olu Dara Jones. Okay. Even though his new album, I was a little disappointed. Uh, uh new one kind of shaky. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of shaky, man. I, I, I was expecting better. Uh, you know, you like Slaughterhouse? Well, that's exactly what Eminem did on their MP- EPMD track, Slaughter. Listen, I wish Slaughterhouse wouldn't. That first Slaughterhouse album, Welcome to Our House, wasn't a real Slaughterhouse album. I need people to listen to the mixtapes and all of that, because what you got on that Slaughterhouse, Welcome to Our House, was was confusion bro like there was too much <laughs> there was too much Eminem music like that wasn't the slaughterhouse that I I started listening to like when I started That's listening to that, when I first heard that they was getting together and was forming a group I got excited because I'm like yo that's Joe Button that's Royce that's Joel Ortiz like these is three of the hardest spitting cats I I've heard but they were under Eminem's banner I, was, I wasn't a King Crooked fan at first. I ain't even gonna lie. I wasn't a Crooked Eye fan at first. But that was mostly because he was West Coast and I hadn't heard too much of his music. But when I first heard of, of Royce and and Joe and Joel getting together, I'm like, yo, this is about to be amazing. And then when that album came, I'm like, ah, oh, man. Well, it goes back to the re... Okay, so... um. I'm gonna tell you my I'm gonna tell you my fifth one uh, after I say this. For a while, Jada Kiss said he's done with major labels, but now he's signed to Def Jam. The Locks, as a group, is signed is signed to Rock Nation. But for a while, Jada was like was you know he was just he was just focused on the mixtapes because with major labels he had to deal with them, but he had to deal with Bad Boy, which resulted in them trying to get away from bad boy diddy came dancing trying to you know shiny suit popcorn their image up and you know locks won't rock with that you know so you have people like jay the kids who are like man i ain't feeling this i make my i get the bag off the streets slaughterhouse they got with interscope under the shady umbrella you get something under the shady umbrella you're going to be looking for an eminem influence somewhere in there not eight mile Eminem, but bleach head high. My name is Eminem, and that's what they got. And I wanted them to have eight mile battle rapping, getting Papa Doc face Eminem. <laughs> like I need that Eminem. Like that that son. Like there was a couple joints on there. Like Hammer Dance was cool, but even that was need to be grittier. Uh, the joint with CeeLo with CeeLo Green, the My Life joint that didn't fit Slaughterhouse at the time, like they were still on the up and up. So like, I don't want to hear about y'all driving fancy cars and all that. That's not what I got in the Slaughterhouse for. Uh, There's a a couple on there that I rock with though. But like, bro, I grew, I came into it expecting Slaughterhouse to be rapping like they was on 
I don't know if you heard the mixtape, the, the mixtape track, Truth to Truth. Like, they was rapping on Truth to Truth. It was real life raps. Like, I understand they got to sell records, but I feel like they sold out to their core. The, the 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 label's gonna make them sell out unless they unless they breach their contract and say, yo, we ain't doing this, forget y'all, we'll do it on the streets. And uh here's the interesting thing. You mentioned Papa Doc Face. Here's the interesting thing. I don't know if you know this, but Eminem when Eminem when doing character development, he was actually using some Anthony Mackey's uh background to diss him as Papa Doc, right? Mm-hmm. Here's where it really gets interesting. He was talking about how Anthony Mackie went to a private school in high school and, you know, lived at home with both parents, right? But the high school that he went to was the School of the Arts. Mm. The School of the Arts high school program. That's cool. So in essence, Eminem was dissing of Winston-Salem School. Huh. That makes okay. Okay. I think I got a little bit of a problem with that. <laughs> hey man, I like I say, I listen to battle rap, so I done heard all kind of crazy things. I done heard all kind of crazy angles. I done heard all kind of everything. You listen to battle rap two times, ain't nothing gonna surprise you. But battle rap is the last true form of music, bro. True form of rap. It is. What's on the radio ain't ain't rap. It's not. It's garbage. I will say. Uh, I will just say this, and then I'm gonna name my top fifth, my fifth rapper. Um, I would like to. I would like to point out that Fifty Cent uh, had beefs with Jada Kiss and had beef with uh, Cameron. Right? Mm-hmm. He went back and forth with Cameron. Jada Kiss hit. Him, Jada Kiss hit him with uh, Checkmate. Fifty ain't say nothing else. Hey man, you heard him. You heard 50 early in his career say all the mother hard niggas that come from Yonkers. He knew early. He did. Now, he my said, number one artist in New York, my floor is Barkers. All them other hard niggas, they come from Yonkers. He said it early. They come from Yonkers. Now, um, my number fifth favorite rapper, at one point it was Common. But Common just ain't been slapping since Universal Mind Control. His last good one to me was Finding Forever. That's the last good one? Yeah. Oh, man. Universal Mind Control was all right. Uh, nobody's smiling, you know. Um, it's hard to see him in that light, and he's been doing all the acting. The Dreamer, the Believer. I didn't listen to all of it. Hey man, we gotta think about it. Maybe the acting's paying a lot more right now than music. I'm pretty sure it is. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, Outcast was my number five. You know, through a loophole, Outcast the act. Therefore, I can include both rappers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yo, they're breaking my heart. The more I have to wait for them to drop something new. Stop waiting, brother. <laughs> Stop waiting. It's been it's been almost twenty years. Three stacks, um, three stacks is out here living his best life, man. He out here making random music with fans in the streets. He ain't care about making no songs right now. Nah. So then I put little brother in that spot, and I might keep little brother in that spot. Let me see. 
top five. You, but you saying a see, I can't do all time. Like top five all time, that's crazy. Like that's crazy. Because if you did top five all time, and you ain't put big on your list, like big is big has to be up there. He's uh, not. Nope. That's crazy. Big gotta he be up. Pac. I'm on Pac all the time. Uh, what? ADQ. Bro, that's gonna have to be another podcast conversation, bro. We gotta talk about this. Like, bro, we gotta, bro, you gotta talk about it. You gotta explain yourself on this, sir. Like, what are we saying? Over big? Yeah. Over now, big? Now, I would Hey, bro, that's the only thing that made me mad at the verses was my man had a nerve to play hit him up in Madison Square Garden. My man, how dare you? How dare you disrespect the garden like that? Hit him up. Like, literally, before, the, before they even, the performers even came on the stage, bro, mm-hmm. about 15 seconds of hit him up play on that stage, bro. Yeah. And it angered me so bad. I got oh, so yeah. mad, like, I should beat this dude up. Like, I don't even know this man. But you don't play hit him up in New York City. I'm sorry. It's, that's a no-go. You don't hit, you don't play hit him up in New York City. The way Tupac went in on all of New York, yeah, you don't play hit him up. You even picked on Prodigy, man, for having um like that's what you don't play, you don't you can't play hit him up in New York, bro. Like that's crazy. That's the only part about the verses I had a problem with is that they really like, bro, like what went through your mind when you decided to play hit him up? Like for Locks versus Dipset. Like, bro, Locks was on bad boy. I think that I think that bad boy. You can't play that song. I think that what made Jada Kiss so raw on on there is number one, people need to put some respect on his name. Number two, he come from the Biggie Learning Tree. Hey man, Jada showed out there. Jada showed out the other night. That was a great show. It's just still hard getting used to him having hair though. Yeah, sometimes it blows. It's like, wait a minute. Like, uh, what was I watching? Uh, the joint, the sports show with Jalen Rose and Jacob, Jalen and Jacoby. And right. you know, sometimes they be having the the little bust of Jada Kiss behind Jalen, and in the bust of Jada Kiss, they it's the Jada with the waves, and it's like, yo, that's crazy to me. It was a top five DOA Jada. Jada with hair. Jada with waves. Waves, that's crazy. It's crazy. I ain't got baby fro. It's crazy. So, yo, so, yo, let's step back into the the theater. The theater. The theater. First of all, yes, do you have please. any film aspirations? You said, do what? Do you have any film aspirations? Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Eventually, that's the goal. I got to. I told you I'm going to Tony and Oscar in the same year. A Tony and Oscar in the same year. In the same year. Right. That's not a that's not a lie, bro. That's the actual life. That's my goal. So, um, all right. So when I when I'm going out for roles, when I'm looking at all that I'm doing, the actor that I think about uh, the most is Samuel L. Jackson. Why is that? Well, first of all, I think that Samuel Jackson is one of the most versatile actors ever. Very true. Like, if, if if I can't think of any other example, here's this: Coach Carter. 
he made me he made me ashamed of any time I ever said the n-word and made me want to stop saying the n-word ever again right but then you got Django where he was saying the n-word every three seconds and he was and very he believable in both of them and he goes to be in Mace Windu that's crazy he goes to be Mace Windu in Star Wars I haven't seen Star Wars don't you a Star Trek fan? No. Okay, cool. It's always one or the other. People are always one or the other. Well, my fellow, our fellow theater people get on to me about the fact that I have not seen Star Wars or Game of Thrones or uh, Star Trek or Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. I'm like, I'm sorry. None of these things interest me at all. No, no, no. No, I'm not going to say. Like, I've watched some of the Harry Potter things like I can't tell you verbatim none of that stuff I've seen bits and pieces of Lord of the Rings haven't never watched Game of Thrones couldn't tell you nothing about it uh I don't really be it's not my it's not my genre right there like I'm more of a horror movie person like you throw on Saw I watch that all day um any Jason Freddy I'm that person I watched that. Uh, uh, have you seen the new Saw movie with Chris Rock? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. You also have my man in there, Samuel Jackson. That was pretty good. Chris Rock in a serious dramatic role. That was that was unique. That was pretty good. It was. It was. I love watching the movie, and I love the incredibly beautiful chocolate woman who I went out with to see it. Nice. Nice. Uh, I'm not dating her no more, but still, you know, it was a nice moment. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, so what actor do you think about what actor inspires you a lot when you uh go when you go about these roles? To be honest, to be completely honest. Be completely honest. When it, when it's time to perform, I don't watch nobody. I don't watch nothing. I lock in on myself and the character. Cause I don't want I don't want you to look at me and say, Oh, that's a that's a Denzel move. No, it's not. It's a Tony move. <laughs> when you watch me up there, you watching me. I don't want you to see like I I learn things like, for instance, one of the gentlemen I'm going to film with tonight later on today, Mr. Jeffrey Wall. I learned so much from that gentleman. I learned how to use your body when it comes to acting by watching him. Uh, be in uh, Raising in the Sun. Like that man was phenomenal. Like he was phenomenal. Jeffrey Wall, great actor. Um, I learned a lot by watching him. So like. I try to take, when I'm not acting, when I'm not in the theater mind, I try to watch little shows here and there just to pick up little techniques that I want to, like I might see something with somebody do with their hands that I might like, okay, cool. Or I might see the way somebody, like, but for the most part, it's me. It's my character. It's, I, I change the stance for certain people. Certain people I make stand tall. Certain people I make hunch over. Certain people I make limp. Like, it's just based off of, I don't know how to explain it, man. It's just, I try not to watch nobody else because I want you to see me and what I bring to the table and not what I got from somebody else to bring to the table, if that makes sense. I feel you. I feel you. Well, y'all, as we start to uh, wrap this up, I want to ask you this. You're always in great shape, man. What's your secret, man? I run a lot. You run a lot? I run a lot. I mean, miles. Try at least do two. 
Gotcha. I'm sticking to my walking. I don't like running. Hey, man, it ain't like get a bike. Like, get a little Peloton. Like, not a Peloton, but like, there's plenty of little exercise bikes out here that just, just speed you up a little bit. Come running with me one time. I go running with you. Again, I am a walker. <laughs> we go hit the track, man. We get the track. I can speed walk. Yeah, cool. we'll start out speed walking, bro. I got you. But yeah, we'll yeah we'll say yeah we'll do that. Um, also, hey, I started doing jumping jacks. That's something, right? Yeah. Hey man, come. Hey, I'm always down to exercise, bro. I'm always down to exercise. Because we are the same day on age. Yet neither of us look anywhere north north of 28. <laughs> Thank you. No, we do not. Like I try. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. Try to stay stress free. <laughs> Exercise. Drink water. Been drinking that the entire episode. Uh, so man, get you some live alkaline water, man. It do something to your body. I promise. That live alkaline water is delicious. It's a bunch of local sellers out here, man. Trust me. You can hit up uh Morgan Renee Meyer. She sell it all the time. Uh, the live alkaline people themselves. Hey, man, it's a bunch of people out here. Live alkaline water. It's delicious. Does great things for your body. I feel great. Okay, I just face palm because uh, I just face palm in a good way because I've actually had one of the brothers who pushed that incredible water on here last week. Shout out to oh. Walker. Hey, congratulations. Hey, shout out to them because that's some amazing water. I support them wholeheartedly, man. It is the best water ever. I just this is the uh, in between paychecks water. <laughs> But when I got that bag, I'm like, yo, King Walker, give me your aquatic treasure. It is the best water ever, that live alkaline water. I may not look like I lost weight, but I feel like I lost weight every time I drink it. Hey, man, that thing do something to your body. It's a wonderful feeling. I ain't going to lie to you. It is. So, yo, what else do you have coming up, brother? Uh, I got a movie we, we filming end of this month i'm about to go do an opening shoot, uh, scene for that right now uh as soon as we wrap this up at about about another hour and then uh i got a music video coming out with a dope artist otis simpson shout out to o uh he has an amazing song it's gonna be a hit i love this song i tried to let him give me the uh play it early he wouldn't let me do it he's trying to get it mastered and all of that oh can't wait to work with you brother it's gonna be phenomenal uh I got something going on out in Burlington. Can't open my mouth about it yet. We signed an NDA on that thing. So as soon as we get wrapped up with that, I'll let you know. Um, Scrap Metal, the home team. Shout out to Miss Angie, Miss Carrie, uh, all the people over there at Scrap Metal, all my family there. We got a bunch of things going on. Um, check us out. Go check out the Scrap Metal page, scrapmetal.net. Check us out on Facebook at Scrap Metal. Um, whole bunch of things man i'm trying to you know i try to stay busy i try to stay booked as much as possible if you are looking for me to book me i'm sorry adq but if you're trying to book me hit me up on facebook at tony brawley real name first name last name ain't nothing changed um i was that's actually usually my next question how can people how can people reach you hey man tony brawley on facebook tony brawley on instagram i be on instagram every once in a blue moon i be on facebook when it's time to perform. 
<laughs> when it's time to perform, my social media is very active. Um, I'm always posting little small behind the scenes stuff, things like that. But come check me out, man. Cam, it's a lot going on over here. Trying to stay busy. Trying to get to trying to get to that that Grammy. I mean, to that Oscar and that Tony in the same year, bro. <laughs> Hey, maybe you can get to that Grammy. You know, I ain't gotta do to that. Play. I ain't get that Grammy. Grammy. Stop playing. I ain't mean to say Grammy. I ain't mean to say Grammy. Stop playing. I tell you I what. what uh, I tell you what. You won't be an E Gots, but you'll get an E Ot. <laughs> let me get. If only way I'm gonna get a Grammy, bro, is if you let me put the background vocals on something. I hum on your track if you want me to. <laughs> I hum on it. Hum, hum, hum. That's an idea. <laughs> hmm. I got you. You need me to hum. You need me to do a little background vocal. I got you, bro. I got you. You ain't got no bars, man. So you ain't I never mean, tried. Uh, everybody say this all the time because I watch battle rap so much, and I'm into battle rap, and I listen to music so much, and like I, I break down bars and all of this. I have bars, bro, but I'm not a rapper. Like it sounds like I can write it on paper, and it sounds amazing in my head. But when it comes out, it ain't my flow. I, I don't like the flow of it, so. But it's weird, bro, because like I say, I like battle rap. I could never battle rap. I'm not built for battle rap. I watch it all day long, love it to death, support it, put my money into it, pay my $7.99 every month for the URL TV app. But uh, as far as ever actually battle, been to plenty of events. But as far as ever battling, nah, man. The things them boys say to each other, nah, I ain't built for that. <laughs> I ain't built like that. You know what? I tell you what, there are already enough rappers out here. So uh you are kill you are doing your thing um as you are going out there. Um, not pretending to be anyone on stage or on film or anything. That is a misconception. You're not pretending. You are that person. You are you are telling a story in, uh, as a as a whole individual. Like, listen, I like to say, like, when I'm in that, when it's time to be a character, bro, I am the character. Like, I don't care. Like, even when it was time to be Brother Boxer in the eight-man corner, I was Brother Boxer all day, every day, every time I was around. The only time I couldn't be the character that I wanted to be all day is I was, I've been Lucifer two times. And, yeah, and obviously... I don't obviously I don't try to be Lucifer on a 24-hour basis like that's not something that I try to put in my my mental like in my spirit like I don't want that in my spirit so like that's probably the only time I ain't been able to be the character the entire time like even though the director she asked me plenty of times I need you to be the devil all day I can't I got a job like I got kids I can't be the devil all day I don't want to be evil all day I don't want that but any other time like yeah I'm the I'm that person all day like every day until the until the lights shut off when the lights shut off Tony's back but before that if I don't like you if my character don't like you on stage I don't like you off stage I have to be I have to do that in order for me to create the feel that I need to deal with you. Like, I can't be friends with you. We can't be best friends and my character hates you on stage. We can be best friends after the show. We can go hang out, do whatever. But during the show, when, when we leading up to that show, no, I have to build a dislike for you. And sometimes I've created characters where I've sat there and created things I why I don't like this person. We don't like such and such because such and such does this, this, and this. 
and wow. I have to live with that, even though you might not know it. Like I'm gonna put that on you. Like okay, this is this is why I don't like this character. So when this character is around, like no, I have to give him the ice shoulder because I'm not supposed to like you. At no point should we. When, when the show's over, lights off. I love you. But when that lights on, if I don't like you on stage, I don't like you off stage. <laughs> like I have to, I have to ice you. That's methodical acting. All the great, all the you and all the other greats do that. So if me, if me and your character, if we're ever in the show together, and you need a reason to dislike me or my and my character, when we, <laughs> I'm such a, I'm such a butthole for this, but. When we were uh, in the Amen Corner sharing the brother boxer role, first first of all, um, wow, I greatly enjoyed that. I love getting Miss Angie's face to talk a junk to her. I think that I think that looking back, you're the better fit for brother boxer because though we're the same though we're the same age, you're so much more mature than I am. Uh, I am a I'm a man child, but. Um, but anyway, what I'm getting at is, uh, here's the reason, here's the reason why you should, you, uh, can use that method. So I got the brother boxer role because I got the brother boxer role and we were sharing it because of you were having an eye issue and, uh, uh, thankfully your eye is fine right now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was kind of hoping that issue would take, would, uh, take you completely out of the show. I'm sorry, man. Hey man, listen. It's one thing I tell anybody. I have to die before you're gonna take me out the show. <laughs> I have to be dead. I'm gonna show up if I lose a leg. I can lose one of my arms and I'm still gonna show up and do my job. It's my job. It's what I'm building here. It's what I'm put here for. It's gonna take a whole lot for me to miss the show. I've only missed one performance the entire time I've been acting. And the only performance I've ever missed was the opening night of Raising in the Sun because my grandmother passed, God rest her soul. That's the only day she passed on Thursday and the show was that Thursday night. And the director said, nah, I think it's best if you just set it home because I was coming to do my job. Sad and all, heartbroken. I was going to still show up and figure out how I was going to do my job. (laughs) To get me to not, I got in a car accident the day of the show one time and came and fell and rolled on the floor and did a whole did my job. I hurt that, hurt that Monday, but Friday through Sunday, I'm gonna do my job. And I thought I mean beat brother. I'm learning from you, man. I'm learning from you. I'm learning from you. Tony, you Oscar and Tony in the same year. I'm gonna be like, there you go, bro. I'm not playing. I'm out. I'm trying. I'm on my journey to make it. I'm so, my... oh, go ahead. What was you about to say? No, I just, I'm on my journey. I'm in my own little. I'm on my. It's like, remember, we had a conversation one time, and I was like, sometimes I know my personality overtakes things, like, because I'm so. I can be loud and boisterous sometimes. And it, I know it, it tends to rub people. I know when I first came in this thing, I was the, I had zero experience, but I told everybody I was the best thing smoking. I was the best thing out here. And I know like people, I was coming in and I used to get the looks and people were like, Yo, what is wrong with him? 
but I'm on my own lane and my own path to get to the goal that I've set. And that goal, at the end of this day, at the end of this journey, is to set the Tony and set the Oscar side by side and have a Thanos moment. <laughs> you remember like when Thanos finally did the snap and he was able to walk back, he go to his little farm and just sit down? Yeah. I just want to set the Oscar and the Tony in my hand like the Infinity Gauntlet and go sit down in my chair. Well, I'm going to say this and then I want you to share your contact information one more time. But I'm going to say this real quick. You got to have confidence in yourself. LeVar Ball, LeVar Ball is a master chess player. Here's why. That's a fact. He, everybody was talking junk about him uh, because he had a mouth and stuff. But he was pushing his sons. He was telling the whole world how great his sons are. He kept on saying he could beat Michael Jordan one-on-one. Now one of his, now one of his kids plays for the team that Michael Jordan made super famous, the Bulls. And the other one actually plays for Michael Jordan. That's true. That's true. Both of them got million dollar contracts. That's true, man. You gotta have confidence in yourself. So Tony. A man, um, let me tell you this. Let me tell you what a man told me a long time ago. Well, not even a long time ago. I was doing a show, that same piece you was told me about about Black Girl Majestic when I was playing the pimp. Yeah. Ron took a piece of that and we did this uh Kwanzaa event pretty much like right after that show. Yeah, that's all I was there. And when I went and did that piece, two things happened. As soon as I came off stage, a little boy ran up to me and was like, hey, you. And I was like, what's up, little man? He was like, that's not how you treat a woman. That right there said, I did my job, number one. Number two, that young man's going places because he understood already how he should and shouldn't talk to a young lady. I appreciated that. Number two, the guest of honor at that event, he came up to me. Now keep in mind, I'm still raw to this acting thing when this is happening. So when he came up to me, he was like, hey, you, you, I need to talk to you right now. Go outside, go in the hallway. And I was like, what? And I was like, I hope this man know I'm just playing. Like, like this is just acting. Like, so I go outside in the hallway. He's like, come here. He was like, you. I don't know why, but whatever it is, whatever it is, you got it. He was like, do you know what the definition of a miracle is? Now, I've always had my own definition of a miracle, but I'm an a inquisitive person. I want to understand and know what everybody thinks. So I was like, I want to hear his definition. I was like, go ahead and tell him. He's like, the definition of a miracle is opportunity meeting preparation. He said, if you prepare the right way, when the opportunity arises, the miracle will happen. Mm. I've stuck with that ever since that day. I'll never forget what that man said to me. I've stuck with that ever since. So every day I wake up, I prepare for the blessing that I'm about to get. I'm preparing for my miracle. I focus on this. I do this seriously. Like This is my craft. This is what I'm going to do. And this is what I figured out I was going to do when I was 30. You said when I you were 30? 30 when I got into the theater. No training, no experience, no nothing. Man, I applaud you for that because a lot of people are not doing anywhere near what they wanted to do when they are 30. 
They're still trying to figure it out. And I figured it out on a on a on a whim, pretty much. <laughs> and she would if I would have never you have to think about how it lined up, bro. Like at that everything had to be perfect. The universe had to align perfectly. I literally had to be walking in at the exact moment when she's saying, I just need one more mail for my show to be complete. If I would have never heard this statement, I would have my normal greeting to her, hey, good morning, how you doing? And walk right in my job and kept moving. But, but, God opened the door, you walked in, and beauty has been occurring, and beauty has been occurring ever since. And that's why I can't fail. That's why I will not fail, because I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to, when you find where you're supposed to be at, you're willing to you go hard at it. Absolutely. Like, I where I'm supposed to be at. Like, I've been a, I've been a lot of places. I was an airplane mechanic. I've been a cook. I've been, I've been a lot of things. I've been a boxer. I've been a lot of things, like... But acting is where I found the home at. That's where I found the love at. Like everything else was, it don't count. So that means that's where you're supposed to be at. So yo, one more time. Um, if someone wanted to cast you, get some get some more of them uh, pearls of wisdom from you. Um. Or anything, or get your take on, uh, or get your take, or argue with you about certain uh, certain rappers and stuff. You know, Lupe Fiasco is one of the Let's most. Argue that. Like, I'm here for those arguments. How can someone reach you? Hey, you can find me on Facebook at Tony Brawley. That's Tony T O N Y B R O W L E Y. That's Tony Brawley on Facebook. That's Tony Brawley on Instagram. If you are looking for if you want to email me, you can email me at antoniobrawley dot antoniobrawley at gmail.com. Yeah, that's it. Um other than that, I don't really be on the socials, man. I don't do social media. Hope to come back on here again and chop it up with you. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, we gotta have you back on. And also any of Tony's people who is watching this, um, if you want to contact me, my email is adq4christ at gmail.com. Uh, my my Instagram is DeonChocolateGuy85. Uh, my Twitter handle is AvenueADQ underscore 85. And my Facebook is Adrian Dion Quarles, A-D-R-I-A-N-D-I-O-N-Q-U-A-R-L-E-S. Please don't call CIA on me. Tony! Um, my brother. So what? So this has been fun, bro. I can't believe it's been fun. Oh, man, I'm glad you had a good time, man. And I want to tell you, first of all, you need to subscribe to my YouTube. Second of all... I got you right now. Second of all, for all you do, man, for your incredible talent, for the incredible gifts that you have, for your... uh, Even though you have very, very bad taste in football teams, but still, for all that you do... for life, baby. You ain't a Cowboys fan, you ain't nothing. Whatever. But anyway... For all of the, for all of the stereotypes that you break when you bring your incredible talent to the stage and to the film, you sir are a needed, beloved, and necessary member of the Renaissance. Our people are better because of you. Thank you, sir.
Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor and a privilege for real. Thank you for having me. I know it's been, I know yeah. we were supposed to do this a long time ago, man, but thank you for thank you for bearing with me and letting me get on here. Worth the wait, brother. Worth the wait. Very much worth the wait. Now, it's 607. You got you got Oscar to get. Go get that Oscar, I got brother. Filming to do, my brother. I'll see you later, man. I'll see you, man. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Peace. Peace. And this has been ADQ's Renaissance. That has been Tony Browley. Yo, if you are in this theater game, be serious about your craft. That's how you get all these posters. That's how you get roles. That's how you go do. That's how you go do a film. That's how you get Oscar and Tony in the same year, like he's going to do. Be serious about your craft. Study. Where is one of the books, man? That gone. I dropped it. I dropped it. Anyway. This has been ADQ's Renaissance. Yo, come check me out. I will be at the artist block on Friday. Spitting. I'm spitting. I'm returning to spitting. I'm ADQ. Thank you all for tuning in to ADQ's Renaissance. Peace. Oh. Well, a Jacksonville doctor is making history. She and a business partner have created their own bottled water brand. And let's just say it is flying off the shelves. And this morning, we're looking into how this valuable natural resource is creating an avenue toward success. Pure, clean, fresh water. A North Carolina aquifer with ties to the first coast. Pure, clean. Passed down through generations. So I had a great aunt that came to me and said, look, Stopped the church service, came in, she said, you follow me. Went out to the church, looked down the field. She said, your blood of your ancestors crying out for you. You're responsible for this. This spring has been part of Robert McRae's family for over a century and is now the source of this new bottled water brand, Live Alkaline Water. After tasting directly from the aquifer, McRae partnered with Dr. Shayla Creer, and they believe they had a product stores would love. I called, I don't know how many Walmarts, and finally, we got a hold of one who wanted to, who will allow us to do a presentation. Dr. Creer and McCray, they presented their business plan to a local Walmart, not knowing the regional manager would be there. And just a few months later, they made history as the first black-owned water brand to be sold in Walmart. I was excited. I was very excited. Uh, praising God, first and foremost. You know, but I, it was hard to keep your composure because it's the product that you, that was your baby. The excitement grew and the shells were wiped clean in just about a month. And Creer says the reasoning for it is pretty obvious. It's, it's a shame when you have all these different kinds of water out there and people are still getting sick. So as for this water, which is bottled at the source, it's become a sigh of relief for McCray. Because healthy people, make a healthy community. I say eat right, drink right, you begin to think right as a people. What a great, great story. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. That's so interesting. And to me, what stood out in my mind is that his, he actually found it on his family's land. Yes, said, great aunt, yeah. Carolina's great Carolina. aunt told him, look, you know, it's here, take it's advantage yours. of it. Exactly. That and now awesome. he's able to make some profit. But you know, they've already been in contact with a lot of places around the country. Mm -hmm. um, and then places even like in Africa have reached out to them saying, hey, we need to get our hands on some of this water out here. So we'll see, you know, what's going to be the future tell for me, them. Tell me the brand name again so that way we know it's Live Alkaline Water. Live, Live Alkaline. Alkaline. 
buying water. Yeah, and it's in different okay. Walmarts. And again, they're the first brand or, or black owned brand, I should say, that has been able to be sold in Walmart. Oh. New York, cute, man. Hey, Luch, hold on. What New York, New York, everybody bro? chill you out. Sew, you gotta sew Can up? I get the mic? You gotta yes, sew it. Yeah, it was y'all time. Let me talk. Up, New York, <laughs> New York, what's up, New York? Listen, we in New York, right? Why these niggas keep rhyming over the words? Y'all could have stayed in the car and listened to Apple Music Yo, today. we know that SOBs, These niggas is cheating. Yo, you know that SOBs, nigga. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Everybody hold on. Everybody hold on. They know the rap. Yo, can I talk? Can I talk? Let me talk. Let me talk. Yo, why y'all doing what? We didn't talk. We didn't talk on your part. Shut the fuck up, then. Shut up, then. Nigga, it's our time. You on our time. Now on that, talk, nigga. Let the music talk. Go in your corner. Go in your corner. No. We didn't. We didn't violate you. No. You causing the distraction. Listen, listen. New York, they causing the distraction. This is hip hop. We in the mecca of New York. It's deep block. It's deep set. Turn the words up. Why don't know the words? Yo, Tech, let's make something happen. New York. It's that time, motherfuckers. These niggas don't run like us. All praises, all burners, all raises. Hand down, nigga, the game is all jaded. Anything drop, I cop it all flavors. He's a dick, you pussy, y'all neighbors. <laughs> Hold on. We ain't playing with, this is New York. This what these niggas want, right? Oh, shit. I don't do Instagram. Two I don't do Twitter. I don't do none of that shit. Let's go, Tech. This what I do, nigga. New York, make some motherfucking noise. Yeah, all praises, all burners, all raises. Hand down, nigga, the game is all jaded. Some hot dropping, popping all flavors. He's a dick, you pussy, y'all neighbors. Yeah, two extra whores. I'm in a new Aston with two extra doors. With a quick flip, I don't try to stretch for more. 100% powder, extra raw. And I get it from Giuseppe, either him or the essays. I've been smacking these rappers around for a decade. Still trying to get mommy to suck a melon leche. No, if I take her out, I can pop her the next day. Remember the vocals, MJ and the Pro Tools, antisocial. Phil Jack on the track, but I can't coach you. This is just audio and shit that I go through. Guns in the couch, money in the mattress, and I would have got the family, but I had to pay taxes. Settle for a polo fit and some air. Your flow's a light sprain, mine's is a fracture. Yeah, and the x-ray's negative. Use a coward in jail, you can never live. Yeah, you barely living out here, it's like I'm giving... You barely giving out air. Yeah. The reason you breathing is like I'm giving out air. I got stocks in the block, giving out shares. I don't know you, you ain't familiar. I don't care who shot you, cause they ain't kill you. Bars the worst play, I'm a son of a bitch. These niggas is decent, but ain't none of them. MTV, y'all know I'll punish the list. Niggas jury and fake and ain't none of them rich. Notice they keep watching them. No stopping them. V-neck, crush linen, sway, Louis moccasin. Won't dry up cause it don't buy up. Cashmere sweats with the Gucci tie-ups. Overlooking the city, my nigga, I'm high up. I can get your brain blowed out for five bucks. Always in the hood. That's cause I rep that. My perfect work good. Niggas already checked that. Probably just humble cause that's where I slept that. Desert is blue still. The 40s, jet black, Woo! fucking bars, nigga.